Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. Available now at CritAcademy.com. Our brand new book, Unearth Tips and Tricks, Volume 1. Featuring all of your favorite monster variants, character concepts, encounters, magical items, and so much more. Grab your copy today for only $9.95. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. And now, from the Crit Academy Studios, sponsored by our generous patrons, here's the show. Take it away, boys! Thanks for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yeah, that's right. You're old like a fancy world without any dangerous diseases. Yeah. I'm really excited about our show today, you guys. Um, before <laughs> we get into that, we like to start off every episode by giving away Fat Loot's compliments of our sponsors. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Ian, who's our winner today? <laughs> our winner today is Wahooker. Congratulations, Wahooker. If you enjoyed the adventure, please leave Goblin Stone a review. We got a really great show for you guys today. Um, we have a question in regards to a Sleeping Village. Our main topic today is the Malady Codex. It is a disease and poison codex created by two medical students. So I'm really excited to talk about that because poison and diseasing is one of my favorite things. Just ask one of our players... Uh, uh, on Friday, <laughs> yep. um, and of course we have oh, our, yeah. <laughs> and of course we have our fourth and final segment, our honor tips and tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. But before all that, we spent a few minutes talking about a little bit of what's going on in our lives. So, you guys, what's going on in your realm? Well, uh, we did our biweekly uh, D and D game last Friday, and actually Brendan and uh, a new guy joined in. Yeah, it was very yeah, exciting. It was, it was and, and I just want to say bi-weekly is very generous <laughs> right now because um, we, we only did one game in December. But To be uh, fair, holidays. Yeah, that was most of it. But it was a really great game. Uh, I had a blast. We, like uh, Ian said, we had a new player. Ian, uh, what was your uh, favorite? What, what did you enjoy most about the adventure? The thing that annoyed you the most, me hiding behind cover and popping out and firing off Eldritch Blast. You know what? Literally what he did the whole time. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> which is funny because you're a Hexblade. So, yeah, and that guy's a fire giant with a really big broadsword inside of a pillar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you were hiding and just running out, boom, and then ducking behind cover. And you, you nailed it. it. It actually was a very strategic position because, A, the hole was only like five foot square and the giant's like 18 foot. And, B, the giant had a sword and can throw rocks and pretty much it. And, and does that like 6 HP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I forever. I play tested Justin's uh, 
an archetype for the sorcerer called the Gun Mage, and I play tested it, and oh my god, it's so much fun. Yeah, I actually captured a snippet um, that I showed through our patrons through the little patron clip thing that only gives me like 30 seconds, but uh, what did you like about it? It's super versatile and the uh, abilities that, that uh, you've given the archetype, and it's where... Don't it, don't come out with a it, bunch of ideas of how great it's it hard, is. It's hard to d- describe it. Okay, so you, you got a sorcerer who can't tap into their powers willingly, but they have a arcane focus, which is shaped like a gun that pulls that focus or that that pull, pulls that energy out from them and that's where all spells and stuff come from and mine was based on gemstones using gems as the different uh types of damage types that could come out from it and it, it was just so much yeah. fun you also you also gave it a very special flavor when you draw it when you drew your 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 gun do you remember what it was yeah every time i draw my my uh gun it, uh, it, it it slides against the uh, holster and it makes it makes a ho ho sound like Elvis. <laughs> I can... To be fair, that started because I made fun of what you said. Yeah, but it it, it stuck. Right? Cause yeah. Cause no, just you meant there. to say has right on it in, 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 in Elvis, but it came out as has right on it in Elvis. Like has right on an Elvis. Yes, that's what <laughs> that's it was. What it, triggered it. It. <laughs> it, it. It's a it's a rock that's in the shape of a gun and it's got Elvis runes in it. But I said Elvis runes in it. No, he did. I think he did. No, 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 he did. Oh, no, he did. I stumbled okay. on my words, and since and then and he, I jumped he, on he it. Did the, the whole thing, and oh, <laughs> it just started sticking to it. Every time I unholster it, every time I shoot it. Oh man, it was it was a really great game. Um, I had to bring two <laughs> players into the fold, but I didn't want to just you know snap my fingers and have them there. So um, I had to do a balancing act between telling their story to meeting with where they're at. And getting everything crossed, and, and and I feel like I did a good job. Um, it definitely was a little slower uh, at the beginning for uh, a couple of the players, but um, oh, he yeah, Justin did a great job getting both parties to finally come up and meet each other. We haven't actually met yet, but yep. we're like two rooms away from each other, and that's where we ended it. We're like, fuck. Yeah, you guys got chased around by a giant boulder like fucking Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of which, it was me and the new, new guy who were playing. The, we were the party. And that bowler knocked him down to zero, zero HP and it knocked me down to two HP. We we were a cunt here away from dying. Yeah. Well, I think, and what's weird is, if Raven hadn't been poisoned and had disadvantage in all his checks, I don't think it would have ended up no, like that. He would have survived way more. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, when you crawl through a crevice that's, you know, super tight fit, and you can't barely move, and there's spiders everywhere, you end up getting bit. But anyways, um, it was, <laughs> it was a real blast. <laughs> he says, is the grip in blue suede? <laughs> <laughs> it should be now. <laughs> but... Um, so it was a really great night. We had a lot of fun. It was a good comeback from vacation um, uh, session, and I, I really had a blast. The new guy did great. Brandon did great. Ian pissed me off. I cast Eldritch Blast. Hey, Ian, what do you do? I cast Eldritch Blast. <laughs> pew, 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 bang, bang, bang. Um, but it was very strategic, and it, he found a good spot, and kept pissing me off with it and to be fair i was empty of all my other spell slots <laughs> oh yeah you guys you guys it took a lot of work to 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 do what you got to do even with harshnag helping i am so glad harshnag was there <laughs> you know you know what's funny is when we were going through those crevices and then we ended up in the uh, giant's bedroom it made me think of uh the scene from the very first mortal Kombat movie 
when they're tracking down Katana. And Johnny Cage says, I know she went this way, I can smell her perfume. And they end up in Goral's lair. And Sony <laughs> says, I smell something. Bullshit. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I think that'll do it for In the Realm. If you they would like to visit other realms, how can they do so, Brandon? They can go to our website at CreditAcademy.com, where we have a link to Audible.com. And you can sign up there to get a 30-day free trial, plus a free book when you do so. Okay. And it helps us out. Especially if you go to our website and click the link. I still love the fact in the Mortal Kombat movie that you course hype up girl about how tough he is. Only to basically take him down by punching him in the dick. Yeah, same. One one blow. Dick Politics. <laughs> Could you imagine kick if me they in the dick? remade Mortal Kombat with today's technology? They actually kind of did. On yeah. YouTube. Not, not not the YouTubers. No, that was a fan-made movie. I'm talking to about... To be fair, that's a pretty good fan-made ho- movie. It was, yeah, it but was. Hollywood, if they got onto that again... <sighs> so moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment. We have a question from Dean Lawson. What kind of evil forces would prey upon a village of normal people trapped in a sl- by a sleeping spell? Vampires. Do I see it? Oh, you can eat buffet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's not bad. I like that. What about you, Brandon? The same thing would work with werewolves. I'd say thieves. Oh, that, yeah? That, that's, that's an easy steal. Actually, the, if you were to run something like that, you could probably make that part of the uh, um, description. Thing that as you're going through this town and all these people are just sleeping from the sleeping spell, you notice that there are not there's not a single piece of treasure or anything valuable within these homes or anywhere. So you're suggesting that somebody cast a spell that put the whole knocked out the whole town just so they could loot it? Yes. I'll be honest. If I was a superhero, I would be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> At least they're not dead, right? It could have been worse. Yeah. Orcs would have just busted and killed everyone, and took shit anyway. Yeah, sure, they're going to wake up upset because they're missing some stuff, but at least, you know, they're going to be alive. It could be worse. Yeah, it definitely could. So if I walked by as a hero, I was like, oh, there's bigger problems to deal with. On to the next town. <laughs> um, when I thought about this, the first thing that I thought of was um, like some sort of underground slave trade, right? Ooh. And they, they put the town the townspeople to sleep. And then take the ones that are most beneficial, whether it's the most muscular people for sl- labor. Um, I got to be careful where I go with this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> small children, because they need somebody to, to root into very small, like, mining areas where only, like, small people can get into. Or maybe they trade, you know, children to, to get small children to climb through, like, ventilation shafts. And they, do, they don't have ventilation shafts. Through small areas to get in for thieving and, and stuff. Coal mining. Yeah. So... And and those who who want to go the dark fancy route, you can fill in the blank. Yeah, I don't need to go. What am I talking about? We're a show that fucking has no limit. Or if you're there's sex traffickers, you could you know go with that route. I don't really roll that way in my games, but hey, you might. To be fair though, that would increase the stakes. Yeah, definitely because that's that's that'll touch home. I don't know because that that kind of gives you that that feeling in the back of your head because when you think about people who do sex trafficking, you're like, man, I wish I could just find who. Who's in the lead of those reins and beat the shit out of them? Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, and I, to me, it would be more scary to have something that's not a monster doing it than an actual monster. Because a monster has pretty traditional urges. They want to eat. Like, you know, vampires. That that's, that's awesome. This entire village is just a storage to keep vampires alive. They just eat them and they drink their blood in a certain order so that their, their body refills and they never wake them up. That's really good. I like that. You're welcome. Yeah, you. Thank you. 
bugger. Um, <laughs> um, so I think that'll do it for this Let's Talk About Blank segment. Uh, Dean, thank you for your question. Um, we hope you like our response. If you don't didn't, please send a letter to the complaint department with some money attached. You can send it to critacademy at gmail.com. <laughs> so our main topic today is the Malady Codex. Um, there is a link to it in our show notes. You can find them at critacademy.com. This is really interesting. This is a, a PDF generated by John Bacchus and Themis Paraskovis. And I apologize if I totally butchered your names. I have no doubt that I did. Did um, you just learn that demon? <laughs> apparently uh, i did um so this is a, a a two these are this is a supplement created by medical students so you can kind of see where this is going um i'm a big fan of poisons and diseases and, I, and i've touched on that many times uh in the show as well as at my table um because it's something that can't always just be overcome or isn't an, a, a direct um there's not always a simple solution to dealing with it or even knowing if you're affected. And that's where it gets exciting. Obviously at higher levels, it becomes a little more easy to deal with to some extent. But what makes this supplement so amazing is it comes with, I think 12 different diseases, but these diseases are so fleshed out. It's to an insane degree. For instance, each malady has an origin, a cause, a symptom, a diagnosis, a cure, and they even give you plot hooks for those maladies. And I think that that's amazing. And I think the closest most players ever come to diseases is stuff like uh, lycanthropy, vampirism, and maybe if you're unlucky, mummy rot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're unlucky. Uh, or I rot. Remember, I've created a monster variant that had that. It's pretty dope. You did. You can, you can check that out in our Honor Tips and Tricks book. Makes me think of my... Uh, half-orc uh, soldier that I ran Starfinder where the joke is, what disease has he, has he not been infected with yet? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he keeps being hit by monsters that inflict stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it is it is worth noting that they also point out all the different uh, spells and uh, features that can be used to cure different things. And they even give you a good rundown of the description. So if you're the DM looking through this, you got a quick reference without having to read through all the material to figure out what your players are going to jump onto. That'll, that'll help them. So, so far, you guys have had a quick look at this. What are your, what are your thoughts going into this? I definitely skimmed through it, and I have to give the creative document credit. They definitely did a good job of uh, documenting each disease he created very well. Yes, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, and it's, it's what you would expect from people that actually understand how diseases work, right? I, guess, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I guess I don't know what their grades are. You could be a medical student, but if you're getting an E, <laughs> I, I guess uh, maybe that's why they turned to this book to pay off the bills, <laughs> pay off their student debt. <laughs> Oh, um, God. So, like I said, there's like, I think there's 12 of these in here. Uh, we've picked two that we're going to go through because they are very thorough. And we're going to work our way through and, and kind of discuss them. It is worth noting that some of the effects go through different stages, which I think is a really nice touch. And the first one we're going to be discussing is the Mad Mage Virus. Um, they give several little subtle uh, uh, sub-contacts to each of these. Like this one has penetrative, non-lethal, and magical. Yeah, I've read through this one. This one seems like it'd be pretty annoying. Because I do recall Penetrative at least meant that, oh, you have disease immunity? Too bad. Ah, right here. So in this example, those categories are Penetrative, which is this category is highly lethal as it affects even characters immune to normal diseases. That's huge. Because if they're, I mean, that's 
that's a good way to overcome any specific like magic items or something that a a player may have. Yep. Now that's also a good way to piss off your player who has said device. So if you're going to do that, don't do it too often, I would think. Right. Because what's the point? Oh, I've got this thing that makes me disease and I ran into the one thing that's, you know, it doesn't affect me. So do keep that in mind if you're going to be using something like that and they have features like that. Yeah, be like if a player decided to build a baritone barbarian and then you the DM just has to make a campaign like, yeah, by all psychics. <laughs> Dang you! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the next category is, uh, magical, but it, it breaks it down into three, magical, divine, or natural. This is a category that's actually used, uh, for, to d- help determine what skill check is used by the player to learn more about a particular ailment. And of course, you know, magical is arcana, divine is religion, and natural is nature. So this is really cool because it gives different categories for the DM to utilize for their players. So, you know, Ian might be really good at arcana, so he might, you know, be able to do figure out this one, but then on the next one, it's up to it's up to Brandon who's got nature. So I think that's a really, really cool little thing they did. And then of course the last uh, subheading was or category was lethal and non-lethal. Guess what that is? Either the disease leads to death or it doesn't. <laughs> so by categorizing it that way, you can get a quick glance of what to ex- quick glance to uh, know what to expect. So uh, like I said, we're gonna start with the the mad mage virus. Um, Brandon, would you like to read the little uh, text in the box there, uh, and then flavor, the origin flavor text? Yeah. Uh, every wizard needs a signature world-ending thing. This nutcase decided to make viruses. <laughs> I'm really worried about those who dabble with the arcane ways. Can you tell uh, us a little bit about the origin? The origin. Some wizards prefer to see their victims blasted by fireballs, while others prefer to punish them with haunting illusions. The maddest of them all decided to create a virus using <laughs> using forbidden. Transmutation magic. This highly adaptable virus changes depending on the host's actions. That's pretty interesting. So I like this because he gives us an origin that says, hey, this is something that's man-made. Yep. This is one of the things that makes for me an entire, like, you can do an entire campaign around this, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it gives it. you the origin, so you can pick the pick the villain. Why did he create this to begin with? Was it, Maybe it wasn't villainous. Maybe it was an accident. That would be an interesting campaign. Maybe you go through this and you're expecting to find this really evil guy, but instead you find this good guy who was trying to make a cure for something and accidentally created this this virus in the process, you know? And he's working hard to, to, to fix it or something like that. And um, that, I mean, that does make sense, actually, because they, the medical community are trying to find ways to use viruses for like, various treatments. Right, right. Like gene therapy is, like, the, the big example. So, yeah, so the origin is a powerful tool for... Uh, being able to quickly convey where, you know, this disease came from. Obviously, man-made, that's a big deal to me. Ian, would you like to tell us some of the causes? Oh, causes. Oh, man, that's not good. The virus is airborne. Uh. Which means it can be tra- transported through the air. A creature has to spend at least 24 hours with an infected creature to catch the disease or have it bestowed upon them by the mad mage or his apprentice. Very interesting. Oh, it also mentions a magical wand, too, that is a part of the appendix here. Yeah, There's ma- magic items in here, too. Yeah, I don't want to give away too a much. A wand of yeah, viral no, infection. So it's a syringe. <laughs> so what kind of comes to your guys' mind when you read the cause real quick, uh, right off the top of the old dome? I mean, airborne, that's kind of scary because you have to breathe sometime. <laughs> uh, it makes me think of two movies, actually. And what's that? Well, the first one is I Am Legend. Okay. Yeah. 
because the virus never becomes airborne and he's the only immune person. The other one was like back in the 1990s. It was about a monkey. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what it was called. I'm guessing it's but... not 12 monkeys. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, oh, but th- it... oh, that was a plague movie, too. So... So... Outbreak. Yeah, thanks, Tate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave it to the old guy. He knows. <laughs> um, so the big thing that jumps out for me is the the amount of time it takes. It takes at least 24 hours spent with this. I think if you're running an investigation for your players, that's something that they wouldn't, because it takes time, they wouldn't be able to correlate it really quickly. Nope. They wouldn't be able to say, oh, I got sick when I walked in that room. Something in that room caused me to be sick. No, it's, we've been in this town for 24 hours, and now somebody's sick. We've been to the, the nobleman's house. We've been to the... The blacksmith, the merchant, the inn, the tavern, the the, the whorehouse. We've been to all these locations, so how are we going to narrow down where it came from? And because it takes place later, if the adventurers leave and are in the middle of dungeon and get struck by this, holy shit, what kind of havoc is that going to cause? So I like the delay that comes with that, which then leads us into what are the effects, right? So the goal of the virus is to really take down adventurers, not peasants. Um, it's obviously meant it's it, if that if they're going for that, then it's obviously very potent. It activates whenever a creature battles and, and slowly uh, mutates as it understands their fighting style. How dope is that? <laughs> the disease has four stages from zero to three. At stage zero, when the creature is infected, the virus is at stage zero for all damage types. Right? Yep. So stage one. When a creature deals uh, one damage, uh, one type of damage, uh, for example, fun. I'm gonna stop saying out. Oh, I gotta work on that. When a creature deals one type of damage, for example, thunder, they proceed to thunder stage one, while they remain on stage zero for all other damage types. When dealing this damage, they must succeed a uh, wisdom saving throw and take one d8 damage of the appropriate type. In this case, thunder. The creature proceeds to stage one, even if it succeeds on the saving throw. So even if you do succeed, you're still gradually progressing. I keep shocking myself. <laughs> now, moving on to stage two, the next time a creature deals the same type of damage, in this example, thunder, they enter stage two for the appropriate type. They must succeed on a D- wisdom saving throw or take two D8 of the appropriate type. The creature then proceeds to stage two, even if they succeeded the saving throw. So, uh, <laughs> the saving will prevent the damage, it seems, but doesn't stop you from advancing, which means you're running the risk of taking more damage next time. Which means, if you actually succeed in your saving throw, it can advance and you, you won't even know it. Right. And that's, that's, that's very subtle. I like that because, let's say you continue to succeed, your DM's asking for these saves, and you have no idea why until BAM! Yeah, and you're on stage three, and all of a sudden you take... 3d8 of uh, thunder damage you have no idea why yeah that's that's crazy because once again if because it took so long to take root you don't know what happened <laughs> that's just that's that's so amazing even worse is when the dm says hey give me a con save and you, have, and you don't know why yes don't you love that if a creature with stage two for one type of damage deals that type of damage again the virus proceeds to stage three they must succeed a wisdom saving throw or take 3d8 damage of the appropriate type. Additionally, a parasitic aberration manifests, even if on a success. That sounds creepy as shit. It is. I read the, the stat block. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, 
So now we've got this kind of idea. It sounds like each stage has to be tracked separately. So as a DM, I am going to say that sounds like a lot of work. Well, actually, it does say that if a creature does do a different damage type, the one that has been building it resets back to zero. Uh, I think that's over the dormant stage, right? Yeah. Then you have uh, the dormant stage. Whenever a creature is not dealing uh, damage in combat, the disease remains dormant for all damage types. And whenever a creature deals another damage type, the virus returns to stage zero for that damage type and proceeds to stage one for the new type. In our example, uh, in the example they give, they talk about, you know, thunder. So if they were to change from thunder to doing, you know, slashing or fire damage, it automatically resets to zero for thunder. If the attack deals two types of damage simultaneously, like meteor swarm, which is fire and bludgeoning, the infected creature is on stage zero for both. Both types proceeds to stage one at the same time. Ow. Um, so that's interesting because now you're going to start taking, you're going to have to make two saves, right? One for each type if you trigger them. Logically. Damn, that's harsh. <laughs> so, dealing multiple attacks in one round, for example, using a sorcerer casting two different spells, will cause multiple virus triggers. So, if the host dies by any means, including damage taken from the disease, the virus is on stage one or two for any damage type. It manifests as a, a malady GP41 or a GP112, which are monsters in the appendix for the appropriate damage type. So, right now, we've got this thing that the player is driving its progress. Yep. So, if you have that player, <clears throat> Warlock, who always casts fucking <laughs> Eldritch Blast, he's probably going to trigger it much faster than, say, a wizard who's constantly changing up their element, right? Yep. So, the real question is, is as a DM, if the player doesn't catch on to that, would you just tell them? Would you give them a check? Or would you just, if they don't put it together, you don't worry about it? I would say let them figure it out. Okay. What about you? Let them figure it out. It's if they don't put the if they don't put the trigger together. Oh, I cast Eldritch Blast. Boom! I took you know force damage. It's probably the only only thing because when you read further, there's only one symptom. That there's only when they cast a spell. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it says it's very difficult to diagnose because of that. Right. Right. So then it goes on to say, um, when the virus mutates into an aberration, read and paraphrase the following. So it gives a description of this creature manifesting. Um, that this virus is a lot like the virus from, uh, what was the last Alien movie? The what? The last Alien movie. Not, sorry, oh, not, or not, um, not last enough. Alien Covenant? Covenant, yeah. Because uh, the very first uh, <laughs> xenomorph that they made, it wasn't called a xenomorph, it was something else. Uh-huh. But it was a... Is that the white one? It was a spore disease that manifests into an aberration. Right, right. Which is the, the beta morph or whatever it is. Right. So they, they do give a really cool description that you can read uh, if the creature does manifest. Ian, would you like to tell us about the the diagnosis that, come, that comes with this disease? Sure. this malady. Obviously, given the type of disease it is, the diagnosis is not easy. And since there's no symptoms other than the pain inflicted upon the user by the damage... The creatures can follow the disease's pattern with a successful wisdom investigation check, and also a successful intelligence arcana or wisdom medicine check can provide the creature with insight on both symptoms of the disease and its cure. That's right, it has a cure. So I, I guess you could tell them. That yeah, it actually gives you, I forgot the diagnosis was the thing, even though I read it already. Um, so yeah, so the diagnosis gives you the DM, the guidance they need of how the players can detect this sort of stuff. And a DC 15 wisdom investigation check is interesting because 
in the player's handbook, it talks about doing different modifier types of checks. And this is a good example of that, because normally an investigation is intelligence, right? So that's really cool. I like that. Although, I can see wisdom kind of makes sense, just because wisdom is common sense. And you go, hey, dude, you're shocking yourself when you cast lightning. Right, right. Knock it off. <laughs> and it allows them to uh, find a potential cure, which for this disease is an absolute bitch. Yeah, let's actually go on to that one. Uh, I thought that's where you were going. Yeah. I was like, dude, yeah, you, you nailed when, it. When the Mad Mage created this disease, he made sure to bestow upon it the power to be incurable by casting a wish spell that brought him to the brink of death. I'd do it. Fuck. As a result, there is nothing that can cure the disease except for a wish spell or a cleric's divine intervention ability. However, disease is cured automatically when the virus mutates into the aberration. Doesn't, so, that, doesn't that kill the player anyway? So if it doesn't kill you, whatever doesn't kill you makes enemies stronger. <laughs> this so you, is really interesting because it, and that's one of the reasons why I picked it is because it doesn't, the cure isn't something that's readily available. It's not some, ooh, snap, you're taken care of with, you know, restoration or whatever the spell is. Rejuvenation, maybe, I don't yeah. remember. And what. this is where I can see it becoming a campaign. It's because you need something like the wish spell, yeah, or the divine intervention. Otherwise, you're 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 bo- you're boned. Unless this thing does form and doesn't kill you, and then comes out. But at that point, if you've been with other people, likely they're infected, right? Because that's the other thing. If we're partied up, I oh. might get away from it, but it's going to now affect you guys. You know that they kind of give me vibes of kind of like the thing, the John Carpenter movie. I, I actually have not seen that. I have not either, but I know enough about it to go <laughs> dang. Right, right. Lastly, they give you actually good plot hooks um, that tie into it. In this particular case, we've kind of talked that this is a very player-driven disease. And, you know, seeing the player character rise up to the challenge and beat it would be quite rewarding. You know, you mentioned it being potentially an entire campaign sort of... uh sort of deal or tying into and being a uh, like a subplot of a main campaign so um in addition to the the features that they discuss there's really good plot hooks we've talked about a few of them um you can come up with any number of ideas to to make this work for you um but it is important to remember to make sure you track it well and especially with the stages Ooh. that will be a little bit of work but i think it'll be a good payoff i love an interesting plot hook I know they said it was for adventurers because the symptoms really only trigger when you're in combat. Right, right. But what if this mad mage decided to infect an entire village with it? So he can basically use them as slaves and so they won't, won't rebel because they'll basically kill them themselves if they try to. Oh, man. That's interesting. I like that. That's really good. We can't fight because the fight will literally kill us. <laughs> so overall what are your guys's um thoughts on on this disease would you use it would you like to run into it what kind of <laughs> well, jumps out at you i would like to run into it no <laughs> i mean with a gun mage that you did yeah i wouldn't mind it because there's so many because you can alter your element yeah. with your chromatic burst yeah but you would have to understand that that's what's triggering it first yeah yeah all right. Well, I guess now we'll move on to the next one that we chose, which was the um, Mind the Mind Flayer Network. This one really tickled my genitals. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh my god! There's so many of these. It really is. I just like to point out that there's an ISTD, an interspecies sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> interspecies. For all, for all those little whore players. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yep. That made me think of PV, uh, what kind of PvP where a DM 
decided to run an all women's adventure with, with all her like her gal friends. Uh-huh. And uh, her sister was playing a player that liked to like sleep around or hit on guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they fast forward a, a, a little bit when they were like, going through like each player summary. Her sister, I got the clap from a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> You've been nerfed. <laughs> Jeez, I'm not not uh, a good gnome. <laughs> Actually, Ed, if you've got any interesting insight into something like this, because I know that you're... No, not the STD, you fuckers. That's not where I was going with that, but that's funny. Oh, no, I, I was actually suggesting because of the nature of your job... He's not a Navy uh, guy. Um, no, no, but he's... What the fuck? <laughs> hey, I never call anything. My friend did, but I didn't. <laughs> you dodged a bullet? Let's just say I know a former new guy as one friend, but he's still get t- getting his shots. <laughs> he, says, he says penicillin cures most. Ah, yes, the the lesser restoration of the human world. <laughs> a disease cure that was actually found by accident. That's funny. Uh, all right, so uh, moving on, we're going to discuss one of this. This honestly was my favorite of all the things I read. Um, it's the Mind Flyer Network. Now, this is a non-lethal magical effect. Um, and that's why, that's one of the reasons that's interesting to me. It's, it's not lethal. Lethal. It doesn't um, even hurt you. Not really. Do you want to tick up that flavor there for us, B? Yes. Not lethal magical. I have unending worry about illithids. Those damn aliens brought us even more than we could have imagined. If anyone you know sees purple, bring them to me. <laughs> what the hell? Fuck. <laughs> oh, there's a reason for that. So... This is a virus that hijacks the senses and connects creatures to, like, a hive mind. But only as an extra set of eyes and ears. Basically, the mind flayers are always watching. Do-do. Now, I, in, in some of their diseases, they got these little, little excerpt things where they, 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 they talk a little bit about their own experience and says, This is loosely derived from the variant Kruchtfield Jacob. I guess. I don't know if I said that right, but okay. Uh, most commonly known as mad cow disease. It is caused by prions. Prions? Prions. Prions. Uh, which are proteins with abnormal structure that can also turn normal proteins into misfolded and thus pathogenic proteins. It presents itself with symptoms of the central nervous system as uh, such as psychiatric disorders. Oh, shit. Okay. So this is interesting. So they took something that does exist and, and tried to incorporate it and, and change it so that it fit the fantasy realm. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that's why I can't give blood. Because you're crazy? No, because I lived in Spain between a certain number of years. So I may have mad cow disease dormant within my system. Are you sure it's dormant? I don't know, because it does say psychiatric disorders. <laughs> that's, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so uh, the origins of this disease in the fantasy world are eons ago, an elder brain's whole network was brought almost to ruins at the hands of the Githyanki. Struggling to survive, it had to adapt and find a way to expand its reach. In a moment of satanic brilliance, the elder brain reached a conclusion. Not only Illithid should provide it with the information it needs... Soon, the surviving mind flayers connected with his elder brain were tasked with a mission of paramount importance, and that was to spread this virus, which would act as a Trojan horse, an infiltrator, in a creature's senses. So, first of all, that's dope as hell. 
first of all, I love Trojan horses, and the fact that they, they touched on that little bit's pretty cool. But <laughs> this guy's entire network broke apart, <laughs> so he had to find a like a patch solution, much like most of the mechanics that I work with. They just you know they just patch things up in whatever way they can. And his solution was to spread his hive mind to other creatures besides illithids because if i'm not if i'm not mistaken that's how it normally works right yep. all the illithid are connected hey odysseus somebody left us, left us with the horse as a gift really that's awesome should i bring it inside if it would not you <laughs> that's such a terrible name for a condom <laughs> <laughs> well it is because you're, you're you're slipping in uh pretty well detected because they're letting you in but then your little army breaks free yeah yeah, Tate says he lived in uh, Europe in the 90s, and he can't give blood either. It's probably the same concept. Yeah. Um. So what do you guys think about the origin story first before we move on? I mean, people are already fracking their favorite illithids anyway for a good reason, so this just makes it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think, B? Not necessarily, no. Okay. Brandon, would you like to tell us about the... Uh, the causes? Uh, well, we'll have him do the causes, and then we'll have you do the, the symptoms. The symptoms. Ian, why don't you tell? So, Ian, why don't you tell us about the causes of this, uh, this, this mal- uh, malady? Well, the cause is actually pretty straightforward. A mind flayer that is part of the Elder Brain's network can choose to use the infect ability, where he basically does the immediate attack, and one incapacitated human grappled by the mind flayer takes a crap ton of damage, and then must make a DC con save. Oh my God! Or become infected with the mind flayer virus. Wouldn't that kill them? <laughs> Uh, well, it, a normal person, yeah. 8d10 and a plus 7 to hit. Well, it says incapacitated, so... Oh. So that means it should be, like, a, cr- a crit, right? I would think so. So the, the, so the real test is to survive first. If you survive, then you become this thing's bitch, okay? <laughs> However, the Mind Flayer might choose to instead infect the brain by changing its chemistry instead of eating the brain. Ah, got it. So this is interesting. So... Um, it's done through this this attack, right? Which means this probably can't infect weak people, right? Uh, probably not. I mean, I just imagine him, you know, wrapping his tender- tendrils all around somebody's head. And, oh, he died. Pop out his brain. Um, it's like little head slugs from Futurama. <laughs> so the cause is pretty straightforward. The Mind Flayer has to do it directly. Um, so that's interesting. And then it leaves the victim to be eaten by other animals or creatures. When the host is eaten by another creature, that creature must make a, a intelligence saving throw, which is very high, or become infected by the disease also becoming a host. This means that one might contract the d- disease via the food chain. It is improbable for the disease to survive in an un- It is improbable for the disease to survive on a non-intelligent host for more than a month as it needs to devour emotions and thoughts from beings of higher consciousness to thrive and survive. Okay, so that makes it far more interesting, because now, even if he does, you know, suck out the brain and devour the brain of a critter, um, anything that eats it can can spread. So it does say that it survives on emotion and stuff. So I can easily see this transitioning to... Um, what was the duration? Uh, mm-hmm. A month? For non-intelligent creatures. For non-intelligent. Okay. So if any creatures in the area are hunted, they can still pass on the um, the virus, but only within a certain time period or, of the event. Or if the dead by, by scavengers. 
Oh, there you go. And then those scavengers are eaten by predators, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And it just kind of creates this chain. Um, well, the food chain, that's exactly what they touch on. So it, that's pretty sweet. It almost makes you want to go vegan. <laughs> no, I would much rather be under the control of a mind sl- mind flayer than be vegan. I did say almost. Not that I not that I not that I have any problem with vegans. I like bacon. So now we know what, how this thing is uh, caused and where it comes from. What are some of the symptoms that people start seeing? Our symptoms is let's see. Uh, in the first few days after a creature is infected with the disease, it only notices a slight yet constant headache. This happens as Con- the virus consistent headache. Consistent. My glasses don't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It only notices a slight yet consistent headache. Is that bad cow disease? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) This happens as the virus spreads all over the brain, hijacking all senses and preparing to transmit all signals to the elder brain. One week after the unfortunate event, uh, when the creature wakes up after a long rest, it views the whole world as if a purple filter was applied to its eyesight. Oh, that's dope. Everything seems to be some sort of shade of purple. But other than that, it's perfectly normal. After a few minutes, its eyesight is restored to normal. What a crap, man, I'm colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks after the initial infection, the creature has horrible nightmares. Horrifically realistic and without reason in them. These foul dreams are simply images the infected receive from other mind flayers. Having no psionic abilities and a totally different biological structure, most creatures' consciousness are unable to process the images, which results to it becoming confused, lethargic, and losing its focus. Apply a short-term madness. Yes! You like that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, if this condition persists without, uh, without... If this condition persists without cure, the inflicted creature gains an indefinite madness. Okay, so Ouch. this is cool. It starts off as something that just happens occasionally, right? You 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 wake up and you see purple and shit. This ain't so bad. And weird shades. <laughs> well, nobody, you're not gonna know what that's gonna mean. That's gonna be you, you describe. Oh yeah, when you wake up, you notice everything's in different shades of purple and yeah. And two it, weeks it, later, you're you're eating the copper coins out of your pouch for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is really cool. It's subtle. Once again, that huge delay means it's really difficult to correlate it to something. I could also see it, too. Like, the symptoms are so simple. When you wake up, I can see some players going, What did I do in the bar last night again? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But see, that's the thing, though. Because it takes place after, they could blame it on something that happened the previous night. I was fine yesterday. Not fine this morning. Well, man... There's some noise shrooms I got into. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ian, do you want to tell us about how they diagnose it? Diagnosis. The presence of the virus is difficult to locate without the use of magic. In fact, the only a detect good or evil or detect poison or disease spell can accurately diagnose the infection. Which, depending on your party, nobody might have, so... So this is this is once again I I really enjoy this um the 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 cure is 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 pr- what's really interesting so to, to get rid of the virus potent magic must be used as it is deeply rooted in the brain of the infected creature a calm emotion spell can suppress the effects of the madness while a lesser restoration spell can actually rid the character of the short term madness but the remove curse or the dispel evil 
uh, might also prove effective in removing the virus early on. If the virus has reached its final stages, then a greater restoration spell is needed to cure the disease. Uh, cure the disease. Alternatively, a creature can seek assistance from a gift who has, you know, medicine that cures the disease. Uh, they will not easily hand it over, however. The antidote could also be found in, uh, addition, uh, and lastly, the antidote can also be found in the hands of powerful scholars and knowledgeable mages. So, um, this is interesting because it actually explains the effectiveness of other spells that don't necessarily remove it, but can suppress it. Watch what happens when I touch this part of the brain. <laughs> Couldn't you like get a a scholar to make some kind of a tiara or a necklace or something that could be uh, enchanted with the ability to take someone's intelligence score like as low as it can go, and then like put them to sleep for a month? Why not? I know there's an idiot card in the the deck of many things, but because <laughs> it says it only lasts for a month in unintelligible creatures, right? So I guess wait, if wait, you make wait, wait, barbarians are immune. Wait 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 wait. wait, wait. <laughs> A tiara of stupidity. We, we talked about in the past about how to imprison mages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. You can make a tiara called the, uh, the Kardashian crown. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the suckers and they can't use Medjimer because they're too stupid to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's horrible. Ian has uh, that card tattooed on his buttocks. The idiot card. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Ian's buttocks before? Because that's disturbing. Um. Anyway, so anyways, I like that it goes from... Yes, the, and he these, kissed it. Guess <laughs> uh, mm, mm. that big ass. Uh, anyways, um, so it's really cool that weaker effects can, if you catch it early enough, the weaker spells can get rid of it. But if you wait too long, those are no longer good enough. Uh, it can only suppress it, and you need a greater restoration to actually get rid of it. So that's really cool. Uh, once again, they, they we've kind of touched on some ideas, but they give you some really good uh, plot hooks. You know, it, to them... This is truly a terrifying plot device. This virus could serve both as a reason why adventuring parting are hunting mind flayers, which I think is fantastic, um, uh, and as a, a, a trap for them, right? Um, there are a few things as dangerous as having your uh, opponent watching every single move you make, and I think that's what makes this interesting because maybe <laughs> maybe what happens is it isn't an affection, but a deal. What if you go into... A, a town of, let's say, a, a village of not-so-nice people, like let, a village of bandits who have voluntarily been infected by this, so their overlord, this uh, this mind flayer, can watch and see everything that they do all the time. I think that would be an interesting uh, idea. One thing I think would be truly terrifying would be if a player was infected with this, right? And you gradually... Um, and, and they kind of talk about this in their plot hooks. You slowly turn up the, the effect. You start with just the, you know, the minor headaches and, um, then, you know, they start seeing different colors and they get these crazy nightmares. And, you know, finally, uh, you get to kind of see in the, the group that the enemy's been ahead of them the entire time because a player has, been leaking everything that they've been doing to the enemy. We've talked about using wow. scrying for the, the enemy before, but this is even a more diabolical thing than that because if the players set up elaborate schemes and are always being caught off guard, not only is that going to be infuriating, it's going to build up a lot of stress, and all that stress will get released when they found out fucking Brandon has been infected with this shit and not been telling anybody, and he's been leaking all the secrets. Or maybe he does know. That'd be a, if you want a rogue that wants to betray the group, that's a great way to do it. 
he can always just deny that he was in control. You know, he was aware of it, you know? So I think that this is amazing. Um, this book is so well done. They've got magic items. They've got um, 10 more of these diseases. I think Jason and Themes did a fantastic job. What do you guys think about this? I think it's an interesting supplement to aspects of the game that most players just don't think about most of the time. It's true. Yeah, I think it's quite awesome. Because uh, people go into these games just thinking, it's like, okay, it's just going to be another kind of dungeon crawl, and we're going to fight, and we're going to get the loot, and that's it. And the, uh, ne- and the next game, you find out one of your players is vomiting rainbows for some reason, and you don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that'll do it for our main topic, the Malady Codex. There is an affiliate link in our show notes at CritAcademy.com. You can click it there and support our show and also pick up this amazing product. The art's really nice inside, too. Uh, the cover's actually pretty dope. They got this, like, um, I, what the hell is that? Plague like, Doctor. Is it a Plague Doctor? It's a Plague Doctor. Uh, it's like. dope. Before we move on to our final segment, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of our sponsor. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Brandon, who's our winner today? Our winner for Lorsmith's gift is Seth Crockett. Congratulations to Seth Crockett. Uh, you are this week's winner. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Lorsmith know, leave him a review, and help him improve his product. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our first Unearth Tips and Trick is our character concept. Uh, the character concept is called A Touch of Poison. Ooh. This, is less, this is a character concept that's uh, less about, you know actual fighting and blades and steel and going in with all the glory and uh it's more about a kiss that could pass on crawler mucus <laughs> <laughs> or filling your meat with a bit of assassin's blood or maybe their strong smelling perfume has a bit of essence of ether in any case uh their approach to dealing with foes is designed to keep their involvement secret and catch their prey unaware uh, the dwarf race would be a perfect match for this, as they are resistant to poisons. That's right, they are resistant to poisons. And being proficient in a poisonous kit is a must. Ensure that you have some way to protect yourself in case you somehow get poisoned, uh, like a lesser restoration or lay on hands or an antitoxin, potions, etc. That's uh... <laughs> Hey, does this reaction like chloroform to you? that's funny i think that'd be a fun character concept because uh doing that damage over time or being able to control someone by saying hey you're gonna do what we tell you or i'm not gonna give you the uh antitoxin to the poison i put in your drink yeah it sounds almost evil though uh you know what comes to my mind when i think of this what poison ivy from batman 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she's not a strong fighter, but she finds these different mixes of, of chemicals and unique ways of um, poisoning her foe. And That's what's more scarecrow than me. <laughs> hers are actual poisons and stuff, though. True. His is just like a neural thing that makes you hallucinate, and that's so it. Psychology. Fear toxin. Yeah, fear toxin. <laughs> um, but um, what I think could be really cool about this is if you, like, let's say you become a spellcaster, you can flavor your spells to be something like that. Like, um, when I think, like, Poison Ivy, for instance, I know in one of the Batman flicks, uh, her, her kiss is poisonous, right? We don't speak of that movie. Whatever. <laughs> Batman nipples. <laughs> uh, her, her, her lips are poisonous, so if I was to, you know, cast a spell... I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, blowing somebody a kiss or, and, you know, or running your, not blowing a kiss, actually giving, you know, a quick kiss on their body, um, on the lips, on their, you know, hand, whatever, um, to describe the, the, the spreading of the poison when in fact you might be just using like, uh, charm person or something, right? So you could reflavor your, your magic to kind of fit that theme. There's several different poison types in, um, the, uh, the DMG. So definitely consider um, picking up some of those. I know we mentioned Crawler Mucus. There's Assassin Blood. You know, there's a lot of different types of poisons that you could you could go out and search for and let your DM know you want a lot of those and you want to work towards getting those so that you can drive this this character who's all about you know sprinkling poison in somebody's drink or poisoning a food or something along those lines. Now uh, it reminds me of a, a D and D meme. Uh, I was from. An actual live action DMD show, okay. and it's a a rogue or a thief. And he's he's sitting there talking to this to the party, and he takes out his, his dagger and he goes, "I only coat my dagger with the finest po- poisons." And he licks it and he goes, "I probably shouldn't lick that." And he just falls over dead. <laughs> oh, I saw that. <laughs> there was uh, an anime I watched. It was uh, God, what is it called? It's got the Lightning Emperor in it, and he. Anyways, in this anime I watched, this one lady does that. She creates little vials and, like, leaves them places to poison people. And she creates, like, artificial... She uses things like fans to create artificial winds to blow, uh, you know, toxic, you know, gases into into rooms and stuff like that. And and I think it would just be a fun character concept, um, especially if you constantly want to sneak into the, the, the goblins' fort and poison them the night before, you know, you guys actually attack. If you can convince the team to not just charge in and kill everything. <laughs> you got that one in the back saying, can I do this later? I feel like shit. I should have called in today. Well, it would be hilarious if you give a, if you create like a special disease that makes them have to poop a lot, and you just catch them when they all run to go take a shit. They just never come back. Get backers, baby. <laughs> what? Get backers. Get backers. It is. How did you know that? You Google, Google. Uh, Lightning Emperor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is get backers. Um, anyways, that'll do it for our character concept. <laughs> poison. Uh, touch of poison. A touch of poison. Would you like to, uh, Ian? Would you like to take our monster variant? Sure. We call this variant Lockjaw. Um, this is, in fact, based off of one of the uh, poisons that they, or diseases, one of the maladies in the the book. And no, we're not talking about that dog from Marvel. <laughs> a massive crocodile-like beast, with its damaged jaws being reinforced by rusty metal jaws, kind of like a bear trap. Yeah, that's good. And a metal spike ball forcibly attached to the end of its tail. And the origin of this is a manticore. Basically, you replace the flying speed with the swim speed, and this new feature is hold breath, where it can hold its breath for 15 minutes underwater, and its bite attack gains the following feature. When a creature is hit by Lockjaw's bite attack, 
The creature must succeed on a DC-12 con saving throw or become infected with the Lockjaw disease. <laughs> yeah. What is the Lockjaw disease, Brandon? Brandon? My stupid thing got... Brandon? Oh, there it is. Brandon? Uh, the Lockjaw disease... <laughs> Brandon? Uh, disease. The disease manifests two hours after being infected. Uh, it takes 24 hours for your body to fully paralyze, and the paralysis spreads from the infected area towards the rest of the body, slowly leaving behind small marks like... <laughs> like rust on the body or like you know redhead freckles <laughs> ginger freckles uh use this as a time counter because with every hour that comes to pass the infected creature loses more and more mobility any arm that is paralyzed cannot be used to wield a weapon and if both arms are paralyzed you may also not perform semantic spell components that's kind of important yeah Spells are optional. One affected leg reduces your speed by 10 feet, and your speed is zero if both your legs are paralyzed. No shit. (laughs) Uh, When your whole body is infected, you gain the paralyzed condition. If left untreated for for 48 hours, uh, violent seizures overtake the infected creature, and they soon die. Oh, come on. If you you lose your leg movement, you can still cause your hands. I would give you five five around for that. Ten around. Yep. And it says that if, if your arm gets paralyzed, you can't use it to wield a weapon, but if you're wearing gauntlets, can't you like, just spin like a tornado and become a weapon? <laughs> <laughs> like Taz, the Tasmanian devil, just spin and hopefully you can knock shit away. Um, so what do you guys think of this monster variant? Ugh. That's just nasty. A monster that can infect you with a disease. Yeah, there's a few of them. There's a few. I like this one particularly because you're not going to be aware of it once again till far after you've done fought fought that monster. So if you put this monster in an early encounter, right, and they're making their way through a dungeon or through some sort of challenge, and it gets caught, it starts affecting them in the middle of like a boss battle. Once again, they're just uh. gonna your arm just goes numb and your blade drops to the floor. What the fuck? What did you just say? No, 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 that is not what happens. Um, hey, you notice that your skin is a very rustic color. Um, what I was thinking when I, when I ended up, uh, putting this character together is I thought it would be awesome for this to be a crocodile that could bite somebody and drag them, you know, underwater. Or if they're in an area where there's a lot of water that they just, they, they end up losing the function of their legs and falling in and drowning. <laughs> Cause I'm a dick like that, I guess. What are other, uh, some scenarios you guys can see yourselves using this in or running into it at? Anytime you enter a sewer. <laughs> the villain from, the lizard from, uh, Spider-Man. It's pretty dope. Of finding a, uh, a shipwreck along a shoreline. Okay. Having a drag jump out at you and drag you out to sea. <laughs> or it's out of swamp. In a swamp? I built my castle on a swamp. <laughs> Get out of my swamp. Yeah, my swamp, you um, kids. Um, anyway, so I really like this uh, monster variant. I really envision it being a powerful tool for... Um, punishing your car- players later in an adventure as opposed to earlier. Um, <laughs> imagine if they all get bitten and are supposed to be somewhere at a very specific time, but can't fucking walk to get there. <laughs> says a swarm of rats infected by it and their mouths glow orange. Don't want to get bit by that. Oh man, that sounds awesome. They're all crawling all over you. <laughs> or just make the rust monster that much worse. Yeah. Oh, that'd be freaky. You're, you're like going down a dark tunnel and you turn and you can see just hundreds of these little orange glow, glowing orbs. And they're running and it's coming towards you in a hopping motion. It's like, what the fuck is that? And you slowly realize that they're infected rats. You're like, oh, shit! And you start climbing up the walls. Didn't that just happen to you and Raven Friday? Yeah, but I saw it. 
Yeah, because your stupid dark vision. I saw, the, I saw the spiders. He didn't he see didn't. anything. He's like, oh my god, what is this? It's crawling all over me. Uh, anyways, that'll do it for our monster variant, the Lockjaw. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys, that's funny. Because after we encountered the spiders, we made our way back to the junction where we came from. And I took out my ink and quill, and I wrote free treasure this way on the wall and put an arrow down that, that hallway, and we continued somewhere else. <laughs> that was funny. I forgot about that. <laughs> our encounter of the podcast is the Lady Noble's Malady. Uh, this is based on another um, disease in the Malady Codex. A noble woman has been affected by a disease that is causing her skin to develop a pale or pinkish patches of skin each of which are far more sensitive to pain. As her infection spreads, uh, it begins to overtake her entire body, and the skin uh, and the skin of the individuals, you know, the skin of the noble one begins to uh, become so pale that it's almost clear and translucent, revealing a most horrifying sight. This noble woman's appears to be made of like a sickly muscle tissue and most of you know her facial features are gone um now when this happens if the players are just arriving in town think of how that would something like that would spread around the town and what the talk would be like of what has happened you know a monster in the in the no in the castle or 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 you know something you know along those lines and can you can use that to feed a little bit of information about this this strange happenings the goal in this encounter is the party is hired to to deal with it, right? So they must first, you know, learn uh, identify what it is. So you know they must do really good research, either at a library or um, at a college or finding some place to get all the information on what's going on. I think this would be a great opportunity for a skill challenge. Yeah. Um, for something like this, once they've identified it, um, the the the. They learn that there, it, re, it requires a special. There's no real cure. The only known cure for this disease is a special lineage of people, and the players have to find this this lineage and convince these people to help. Now, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because you can make that lineage enemies of the the nobles, right? Yeah. You what what other what other ways could you make uh, this particular thing so. interesting? Like, how would you make it an interesting challenge to get somebody to help uh, this noble woman? Uh, perhaps a lineage of people who have not gone outside their jurisdiction in hundreds of years, and they're afraid to. Ooh, so the challenge is, if they can't get them to the noble lady, they got to get the noble lady there. But I can also see, going back to the way the, the, the world would react, maybe they would want to hunt or take this monster out. You may want to wear a cloak. <laughs> or three. And a mask. <laughs> and these gloves. <laughs> An- another thing you could do is that maybe... Here's a parasol. <laughs> maybe that bloodline that can actually cure this, maybe they there's only one person remaining, or and they're in hiding, or something like that. So there's a lot of challenges you could do with this in forcing the, player to, uh, the players to seek out this assistance. Now, what I think would be really interesting is... Their blood, the spell itself is like lesser restoration, but their the way they perform perform the ritual is like slightly different or something something weird like that. I think it would be an interesting encounter. It doesn't have to be a combat based encounter, and that's nope. one of the things that I really liked about it is it's not really combat oriented. It's more about searching and finding and 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 persuasion, getting the support you need. What do you guys think about something like this? An affected noble person, and you need to find a cure. 
Seems straightforward enough. I think that'd make for some really good uh, role playing to find what kind of rewards they can get for it. Yeah, because it's a noble woman; she's got to be rich. Okay, so let's let's bring that more into it. What if this noble lady is a piece of shit and everyone hates her? She's rude. She treats everyone like shit. Do you think the players would would they bypass it or would they demand a bigger reward? Or wait, you'll pay me how much? She's like she's like yelling and screaming at me. I'm horrible. Look at me. Yep. You know, she's like I can't live like this. Um, on the uh, upside, on the up, the other side of that coin, what if she's like the kindest, most noblest person who's always out, like uh, Princess Diana? You know, everything yeah. she does is for everyone else. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity here, and I think it would be fun as hell. So, banquet of the damned cover. I work with that lady. (laughs) That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, The Lady Noble's Malady. And for our magic item of the podcast, we got the Dome of Constitution. Also from the Malady Codex. Like everything else we talked about so far. Yeah, I feel like there's a trend. No! There's a trend in every episode. (laughs) It is a one item that's rare. And this copper disc, which is one foot in diameter, is engraved with Elmather's symbol. It may be activated to create a permanent 20-foot glass dome. Any character resting under the dome for at least 8 hours straight may add a D8 to a con saving throw in the next 24 hours. The dome may be deactivated as a free action and activated once per day. This dome lasts until it's deactivated and may house up to 4 creatures at once. Oh, oh, I'm here. Sorry I'm late. Did we get to the magic item yet? <laughs> uh, yes, we did. Oh, oh sorry. Mm-hmm. Am I still getting paid? You're not getting paid. The transfer is a long way away. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, damn it. Diablo, again, the Lord of Terror. Well, I'll see you guys next week. Or you can take the DM tip. <laughs> Yeah, that was really funny. I see what you. That was nice. Um, <laughs> so, what do you guys think about this uh, this this magic item? I think it'd really help. It, you said it's from the melody, right? Yes, it is. Then that that makes sense. I mean, I think it's good with it to uh, quarantine people who are infected with craps. And so honestly, exactly I think what that's it what it's supposed to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a quarantine device against poisons and diseases. Um, and because of that, I think it, it's fabulous. It really fits the theme. And they've got many more magic items, so definitely make sure you check them all out. But this one really jumped out at me because it's 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 a portable it's a portable uh, hazmat tent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I bet there's a disease somewhere in there where you have to do a certain number of con- constitution saving throws, and your immune system fights the virus. And depending on how many you succeed, right, probably beats it. Okay. Um, once again, this is very, this is very simple, very powerful tool. I think this belongs in a very specific type of D&D setting. It's a very utility item, and if your DM doesn't throw diseases at you, it's not really worth it. Um, but I think that if you're that type of DM that likes to run that sort of thing, this could be really cool. Of course, I would probably put it in a situation where the players have to use it on other people and not themselves. Um, because I'm an asshole like that. So, <laughs> I mean, if you know you're going to cross a desert or a frozen tundra, maybe it's a good idea to put you and your party in it before you go. Yeah, because I guess I'm keep thinking poison, but there's other con saves that could go with that, right? Yeah. So that's really nice. That's you make clever. you make an excellent you make an excellent point. 
Enjoy it. You want me to crop this off because it won't happen again. I'll, I'll crop fuck, it out and you can resend it to fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck uh, you. <laughs> that'll do it for our magic item, the Dome of Constitution. <laughs> um, now, you don't have to read this entire list. Um, just kind of point out a few of them, but would you like to take that one, Brandon? The Dungeon Master's tip? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dungeon Master's tip for this week is spellcasting services. Every Adventurer's League document comes with a short spellcasting service list. Uh... Any settlement the size of a town or larger can provide some spellcasting services. Uh, spell services generally available include healing and recovery spells, as well as information gathering. And those are also spells. Uh, other spell services might be available as specified in the adventure. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, something that... Dick. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> something that I think that often is forgotten that temples and in in large you know places of worship can be used as a resource for the players so um for in this case we talk about the the malady codex removing poisons and curses and diseases at a cost and <laughs> yeah like the That's mad mage virus and no 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 sure you can go to a a monastery or somewhere and find a uh, what was this? What was one of the spells used to remove that? Greater restoration probably is one. No, it was either wish or divine oh. intervention. Yeah, none of which are available. No, yeah. no the last one was like, uh, well, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is we forgot how to cure disease. Great. Well, the bad news is we gotta kill you. Then cast raise dead on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, true resurrection. <laughs> or raise dead. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that, that's potentially a. a, a <laughs> That's a good point. So let the virus kill you and bring it back. So this, the, uh, on this, on this, this, um, on the every Adventures League document, you do find these. You know, cure wounds is ten gold pieces. That ain't shit. It's easy to pay for. But it does specify that the number of spells that are available is often limited to three, so they can't just keep paying for that. But it is a way to pull some of the uh, the the weight off of the person who's supposed to be the healer, if in fact you have one. Um, but they give good God. price guidelines for the different features. The one that jumps out at me is divination because divination is a powerful tool that doesn't get utilized very often. And if you don't have a, uh, a wizard or somebody else that can do it, being able to just go and, and talk to somebody in town that can do it can be very helpful. Um, it also gives you special, uh, it also mentions resurrection and true resurrection. And what I think is interesting is not only do they got ridiculous costs, you know, resurrections, 3000 gold pieces and true is 50,000. Um, it actually has a little note that says, uh, in addition to paying the cost, players have to spend downtime, you know, working off the, working off the, the cost. So you have to spend your downtime days, like doing like service work at a temple <laughs> to get uh, access to those. So that's, that's pretty interesting. How much you got to do for true resurrection. You got to do uh, community service. It's 350. 350 days of community service for a true resurrection. So basically God. a year. Yeah, <laughs> and that's after you have paid for it already at 50,000 gold pieces. 50,000. Yeah, so don't die. So, let me get this straight. You pay them money, and they make you work for them for a year? <laughs> yes. That's such crap. Yeah. Well, you know, I envision, and this is just my opinion, I envision that um, it has something <laughs> to do with the, the, the work that goes into it. Maybe there's some risk inherent to doing something so potent, or maybe there's additional costs like uh, items. Labor. Labor, items, whatever, that 
they have to recoup or can't quite recoup uh, when you do it. But anyways, what, uh, as a DM, it, remember spellcasting services should be available in, in most of your bigger uh, towns and cities and stuff. Um, you make sure that option is available when players, you know, think that, oh, we're really hurt or we got this curse. Well, we got to go find somebody to cure it. Well, you should be able to just find a, a, a sage to do that. It just costs you. Nothing's for free. So, um, but it's a very powerful little tool in our show notes is a little <laughs> copy of the segment that gives you all the prices. It's a good reference document. I recommend it. Check it out. That'll do it for our Dungeon Master Tick, the spellcasting services. So if you so good at killing the Batman, why haven't you done it already? Never do anything for free. <laughs> when you're good at it, yeah. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by not being a pansy. Go ahead, leave your shit at your DM's place. Um, something that I've, I, I've, I've noticed is a lot of people prefer to take all their stuff with them all the time. And Which often, often, yeah, and I can understand that, but oftentimes you forget shit. Right, Brandon? I never forgot my dice. I left them here. Because I leave my dice in my DMs. I'm not plus. talking about recent. There's been many times you and uh, Anthony both showed up without having all your shit. Oh, showing up without his stuff because we forgot it at home. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's why I leave my shit here. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's something that happens often. And as a player or as a DM, that's very frustrating when a player says, oh, I don't got my shit. <laughs> what? Date says nothing is free, but Ian will always give you change for a buck. <laughs> <laughs> you see what's going on, right? He's moving from targeting you to targeting him to see if he can get a rise out of him. <laughs> He's like, eh. Because he knows you can throw whatever you want at me. I was on a submarine, alright? Nothing's going to affect my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. After being on the sub, I can't imagine anything would affect that ass. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I fart. It sounds like a train going through a tunnel. I imagine it was more like... <laughs> That's too loud. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I fart, it smells like burned rubber. <laughs> oh, that's fucking nasty. Anyways, um, uh, leaving your stuff at your DM, <laughs> leaving your stuff at the DM's place, if the DM's willing to, will make sure you always have what you need when you show up, and never be that guy who forgets shit because that's so obnoxious when you forget your shit. Please don't do that. Um, don't do that. If you have to make, um, even getting extra set that's just for that place is is a good idea. Now, I wouldn't have recommend anybody leave any shit here because I'll probably lose it. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about that meme, when you go to your D&D game, but then you realize you brought the wrong character sheet. I've done that. Oh. I have done that. So there's a lot that can go wrong. You can miss dice. You can get the wrong character sheet. You can forget the character sheet entirely. You can forget your book where all the descriptions for all your crap is. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go wrong, but if you're capable and can... And the DM's willing to let you just leave your stuff there, um, much like the the um, like the, the 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 game stores. You get little boxes, and you you give everyone their own little private box, and everything's there every time you show up. You just got to be there. So um, <laughs> that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick, and you can avoid dickitude by leaving your shit at your DM's place. Now, just one day you're picking up dog turds, and you realize you accidentally picked up human waste. <laughs> That's a pretty big shit for a dog. You should see the pies my 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 dog leaves. Uh. Oh, they're so big! Like they could fill a half gallon thing of ice cream. You wouldn't even tell. Oh, that's that, that's nice. So about the player tip, uh, if that this this is another good scenario. Say say let's um the DM says hey let's go to let's go to a, a gamer's store. 
or like Gamer Sanctuary or something like that. And we can play there. Let's change it up. And the players are like, yeah, let's do that. And then the DM forgets your shit at his house. <laughs> and then he can start yelling at him. It's like, oh, how's the backlash feel, motherfucker? <laughs> That's funny. And the DM's like, is this what it feels like? <laughs> <laughs> all right that'll do it for our dm tip of the or our player tip of the podcast don't be a dick i already went all that i'll just move your t- context um before we close out we have one more gift to give away compliments of our sponsor jeff stevens a small village empty of villages except for one boy found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon the boy explains that the villagers including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? Who's our winner today, Ian? Our winner today is Adam Buxton, 1989. Congratulations, Adam Buxton. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Jeff Stevens a review. Let him know what you liked about his product. Help him improve it moving forward. Mm-hmm. That'll do it for our show. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing the Grease Monkeys Handbook, rules for piloting Magitech, Steampunk, and Sci-Fi Max in 5th edition. Hello! <laughs> I thought you might like that. I'm super excited for this. I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I had other stuff on the list that's been there for a while that I wanted to get to. So I'm super stoked about this. With all the release of the Eberron stuff, this really just jumped out at me. Sure. If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or platform of your choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you love the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. If you want like to support the show, we do have a Patreon. You can pick a best tier that fits your budget. Every little bit helps improve our show. Enjoy our show live or, you know, join us on our monthly Patreon games. Uh, Brandon also does commission art. You can find pricing on our Facebook page. I do art. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. You will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Yes, definitely check out our sister and brother podcast, Interparty Conflict. Gabe and Jeff do a phenomenal job answering your questions to help make sure you get the best tabletop experience possible. Um, D&D Character Lab, every week those guys create just incredibly detailed characters and then argue whose baby is better, which I love. And definitely check out Brute Force and Ignorance, a transatlantic live play D&D podcast. If you really like listening to that stuff, those guys are funny as hell. Uh, Jake runs a good one, and several of the guys are big fans of our show, so definitely check them out. Check it out, check it out, check it out. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.